Hi there. Welcome to another episode of But Seriously, the Cancer Podcast. My name is Bert Scholl. I'm a two-time cancer survivor, a cancer survivorship guide and mentor, and the creator and host of But Seriously, the Cancer Podcast. Brought to you in part by the Cancer Resource Center of the Finger Lakes, right here in Ithaca, New York. Learn more at crcfl.net, because no one should face cancer alone. To learn more about this show and my services, please go to bertscholl.com. That's B-E-R-T-S-C-H-O-L-L.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at But Seriously The Cancer Podcast and on Twitter at But Seriously TCP. And check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash But Seriously The Cancer Podcast. And thank you so much for all you do. Hey, Amy. Hi. Thanks so How much. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Doing good. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled you're on the show. I really am. I was on Instagram looking for interesting people. And I see this gal who recently had cancer who's posting these pics like, you know, I mean, I got I'm trying to date myself here. Like, like a, you know, little glam shot. And then with your yeah. pouch, with your pouch hanging. And I'm just like, I've had a pouch since 2008. I had my first time I had cancer was 2007. Got diagnosed with rectal cancer and got a colostomy. And Amy, it took me years to be okay with the world seeing it. And you're out there just waving it at the world. <laughs> you know, I'm really fortunate. I think the timing of me getting it, people are much more forthright with what they're going through. The fact that the other side of it is something that you can totally live and you can still be yourself and have fun. So I feel like I have an upper hand where somebody, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I mean, I look at, I've looked at the history of colonoscopy bags, you know, going all the way back. I have such an advantage. So I kind of feel like I get to take all of what you up to and including you've been through and use it to get to this point so quickly and hopefully the next person even faster for them less time you know yeah like what kind of advantages do you feel you got from the rest of us I feel like I you know I saw it and I was able to especially where I um, the timing of my surgery was during isolation I went into the hospital I got the call at 7 p.m the night before my surgery that I'd be doing this alone and no visitors and no nothing until my family picked me up. So oh my God. I kind of, I had a lot of time to have my phone out, you know, before, before my surgery even. And, you know, I went on Instagram too, and I looked for interesting people too. And I was like, are there any young women doing this? And lo and behold, there are, there's so many of us, there's so many of us. And then also men and older people and younger people, people younger than me, babies. I had no idea this was yeah. um, so widespread. Not, not that like, um, and, and not even that it's a, uh, it was something that I was, I heard it and it was so like terrifying to me. But then when I could see people living a life, I feel like that was my advantage. I, there's social media now that every, a lot more people are sharing their journeys with this and some really have a struggle and I honor that. I 
I feel like I've had it pretty easy when it comes to how I've had, you know, my body has responded to having an ostomy and um, the reasons for my ostomy, it was not really a choice. It was kind of like, this is what you have to do. And so I feel like those are my advantages too, that I, I had to do this. And so I had to get right with it kind of quick. And then I, I was alone and I looked for people doing it. And when I found them, I said, I didn't imagine when I found them that I'd be like, you know, doing my little way of living in front of everyone with my bag showing. I assumed I would hide it away, which I mean, if you if people do that, I think that's totally understandable and I respect it. And I was certainly feeling like I would do that, too. But when I got to um, a place of greater acceptance, I kind of said, well, the only reason I could even walk down this path of like getting to an acceptance was because I read other people's stories and because I saw people like living 10, 20 years after having an ostomy surgery, even as a result of cancer. And that gave me hope to say, you know what? I can do it too. Or at least I can try. I can try to do it too. And, you know, I'm a little stubborn, I'm a little, I'm a little hard-headed. And so I kind of just, I just, I decided I was going to do it. And I think if you do that, then, then you can at least start that, that path to acceptance. But that's my advantage. I saw other people doing it. I didn't have to just like pull it all out of me from nowhere. I could see other people visually showing their creativity, writing impactful things that helped me say, okay, yeah, I'll do it too. Mm, so you stood on the shoulders of the people that you were observing. You're like, wait, if they can do this, I can do this. Absolutely. And who doesn't do that? Who doesn't draw inspiration from other people um, who, who walk the same path as you? And especially, you know, it's why it's so important that so many of us share our stories, the diversity of people who have walked this journey. And like, I found people, you know, men, like I said, men, women, children who have had to do this and, um, and, and all walks of life. And so you are out there being represented by some, you know, there are people out there representing your your similar journey maybe not your exact journey but your similar journey of like me i'm a young mom i had two kids i needed to know that i could move my body and pick them up and just do the mom stuff and so i needed to see that and so now in some small way i hope that you know and not everybody has their taste for what they're into or the things that they like to see or not see but I hope in some small way I can do that for, you know, another young mom who's like, am I going to lose myself? Am I mm. going to not be myself? Am I going to not be the mom I want to be? And I'm not going to say it's, I'm all the way, like where I'm just doing all the things I hope I, I could be doing. I still want to grow and get better myself. And so I still look to people online who I've followed since the beginning of my journey and I stay connected with and I talk to and I get their advice on things. So, you know, I think it's just, it's seeing other people. It absolutely, I think that's a good way to say it, standing on the shoulders of people who have been there 
a little, who are further ahead in their journey than I am, um, who maybe um, can offer me a different perspective when mm. I need it. Yeah, I, I, it was hard for me to balance on the few shoulders there were for me to stand on in 2008. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Well, especially if you go to an in-person um, support group, a lot of times the people who are in support groups in person, or at least this is what I heard from my ostomeners, I personally have not been to an in-person support group, but they're people who need support. And so it tends to feel like uh, we're all just, we don't know what we're doing. And so it's, I like the passive aggressiveness of social media where I can, I can take in someone's content and say, wow, look at what they're doing. But I don't also have to um, absorb 20 other people's story. Because for me, as a, the way the person that I am, that's that's a lot for me. So just being able to like take from one person's story and say, okay, here's how here's how they did that. Or I don't, I don't know if that's the way for me. Let me look for something else, you know, better advice or different advice or find my people who, who I can relate to. Mm. I got to tell you, like, I'm getting really emotional oh. with this and it's a good, I love it. I'm, yeah. I, you know, I watch a commercial. I don't mean when there were commercials, I don't have, oh, I guess on YouTube, I still see commercials. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not a cable TV person. I don't have any of that stuff, but I see a commercial and I'm about, I don't know, someone crossing the street and I'm crying. You know what I mean? So like, I just, it, it's how I am, but the emotion is rising because I just want to give you some context. Like, you know, I would, I spoke to two people in person, three about their pouches. And the first person I ever knew who had a pouch uh, would pass gas in the room and it just filled the room with a really bad smell, you know, with, with, the, yeah. with, the, with the ostomies, you know, the odor is different than for people who are fully intact. It's, it can be, it can't, Absolutely. it's often stronger. Yeah. And then I met this one woman who like burped her pouch in front of me and she had deodorant <laughs> in there. So there was no smell at all. And I was like, wow. But for whatever reason, I've gone through the earlier part of my life with a lot of shame about, um, well, it goes back to being a kid and um, being assaulted as a kid, and that you know that 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 sent me on a trajectory. But like just having the pouch, I was ashamed. I wasn't embarrassed. I was ashamed. It says poop. Hi, poop right there, poop. You know, yep. and I'm like, no, please, can I not? Like, what kind of cancer do you have? Rectal cancer. Yes, let's talk about poop. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, it. It's an area where, where, where I totally got absorbed by the cultural shame of our bowels. Let's, I don't know Absolutely. how else to put it, Amy. I don't know how else to put it. but Absolutely. No, I am with you. And I talk to so many cancer patients, specifically rectal and colorectal cancer. It's, it's, it is just part of our society to be embarrassed and it's funny because, you know, my kids have a book. My kids are four and nine, and they have a book that everybody poops. Everybody poops. Like, they're on phase by my situation. And, like, my my world just kind of keeps going with everything that I have going on. So, like, the kids handle it really well. I think adults, as adults, we want to just, like, really tuck away anything that makes us feel, like, vulnerable or... Or, or whatever. And I think there's, you know, that transition from being a kid to being an adult where 
to start to have the shame. And I think you're absolutely right. We're triggered by big things in our life that are oftentimes so far beyond our control, just like cancer is so far beyond our control. And I think having cancer, having an embarrassing cancer, which also in the same tone, people will tell you it's a good cancer because it's so curable. And, and so it's like, <laughs> pick a lane, guys. I, you, can't, you can't stick both knives in my back, you know, mm -hmm. but it's really, it is a thing where I had to just like take a deep breath and just go F it, like F. Ethic completely. I don't care. I don't care if anyone hears me talking about this stuff. Everybody has, everyone goes to the bathroom. Everyone has a butthole. Everyone is, is, has a colon and everyone should know about this stuff. And I wish I knew about it. And I had one of my very first, I was, you know, in the very beginning of my journey, I was being very um, glossy over how the journey actually was because I wanted people to be I wanted people to know they could do it, but I was being so inauthentic about what it really was to me and what I was going through like my day-to-day -day life was like. And one of the first posts that I really kind of got a bunch of followers and a bunch of people saying, hey, and a bunch, meaning I'm this small, small time, but you know, a bunch of people saying, hey, I relate to that was my post was, um, my first headline was, I will not die of embarrassment. I will not die of embarrassment. Um, I, I had to tell a doctor that I was bleeding. I had to tell a doctor that I was right. running to the bathroom and I was aching and I didn't know what was wrong with me, you know? And I got to a point where the more I talked about these things and the more I realized that you truly won't die of embarrassment. And if people are shunning or, 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 or feeling something about you talking about it, that's, that's within them. And that's something that they should really examine because it's probably something that would help them be a better person in the world. But that's that's their journey, not not your journey or my yeah. journey. And for me, I just had to say, oh, well, everyone's going to know. I didn't want to tell anyone that it was cancer in my butt. Like I just, I had that mm -hmm. whole thing. I, I did the whole thing where I was like, couldn't it just been my my boobs or my you know my brain? Oh my gosh, the things you wish for. <laughs> it's so stupid because it's like how horrible of me to 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 just not say I need to attack this first. But because of that cultural shame, because of things in my life that triggered shame in me or kept me feeling like I shouldn't talk about these things or I should be embarrassed or to the point where I didn't want to tell my husband or my doctor that this was happening. I wanted it to just go away so no one ever knew. And I, I went through the same thing. And I think the more I talked about it, the more I said it out loud, the more I looked people right in the eyes and was like, yep, it's in my butt. And like, what are you going to do about it? And like, and I'm going to have a bag. And, and like, I'm going to go into surgery by myself. Like, you, sometimes you just have to like own those things I think as ugly as they are and that's all you can do because like I don't get to wish this away and I could spend every day hiding it away but my fear for that is like if I spend every day hiding it away what if one of my friends who could really benefit from this information 
gets answered too because she didn't know. She didn't hear me say anything or a stranger or anyone else. And I think the more I leaned into that, talking about the embarrassing stuff, posting things that made me feel vulnerable, that made me say, I'm looking my ugly, you know, right in the face. The more I did it, it's like a muscle, like worked it and worked it and worked it. And the more mm-hmm. I've done it, the less I hold value in what other people think of me, not to say I don't still struggle with that or that I'm not still embarrassed at times, or I don't still go, is am I doing the right thing by being so vocal about this? Is it embarrassing? Should I just not do it because that would be less awkward for my family or whatever? But time and time again, I'm brought back to like, I feel good about it. I feel like this is this is helping me on my journey. It's going to help someone else. And I hate when people say everything happens for a reason. Not everything happens for a reason, but this did happen. And I want to give it like some reason, you know. Yeah, you're, you want to create something from it, is what I'm hearing you say. And yeah. also, like you said, it's other people's stuff. Like, I'm at a point now when... You know, I'll go to the lake and go swimming and I'll notice people noticing my pouch. And so then like I'll get out and I'll dry my hair off with a towel over my head and I'll direct my body toward them so they can look at it and be safe and I won't see them doing it. Because I'm like, because now I get like if someone looks at it and they're uncomfortable, that's their stuff. It's not and mine. I- it's also curiosity yeah of course and we're, and we're just human beings because before i had an ostomy if i saw somebody with a bag i might have looked and said what is that and had a look on my face and if that person who has the ostomy is in a really dark and ugly place as i think any of us who have walked this journey we've certainly had it and 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 ride that kind of wave of, of pulling ourselves back up to the right place. Um, if if you're receiving someone's kind of like reaction, you can take it really harshly. I certainly feel like I've done that. Or maybe the person was just curious. And I love your idea of just like, like letting them see it. Honestly, that exact notion is like what I try to express in my Instagram. Like here it is. If you're curious about what this looks like, whether it's because you're going to have one, your sister's going to have one, your daughter's going to have one, whatever, here's what this looks like. And here's a person living a normal-ish life, you know, with it. And it's a safe place for you to, like, ask a question. If you need to ask yeah. a question, just and, walk with us. And you bring, and I love that. And you bring vulnerability to it in another way you've had posts where you're like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want this damn thing. And Amy, that's so important because like there's been times in my life where people are like, thank you so much for saying that. Cause I'm looking at you like, how are you getting through all this? You're like super Bert. And like, and it was, and it was, it was disempowering for them. It was making, it was harder for them to deal with. They're like, thank you for having a bad day because I'm like, I can't, I can't keep up with you. And I feel like I'm failing. And that's, I, I you know? resonate with that deeply. I think that I want so much to show people the light side of things because 
I want them to know it's okay. Um, but that's not every day. And it's nobody's every day. It's certainly never been my every day before an ostomy or since. Um, and I think we do have to show that side. There's so much positivity around like, you can do this and, and yes, but I think I need people to know that I can be laughing and have a good time and feel vulnerable and, and let myself enjoy life. But then I struggle and I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes with a problem and a burning skin and I have to deal with it. And it can put me in a bad mood. It can make me resent what I've been through. And I have to work through that in a way that, you know, isn't just pitching a fit. I mean, I do that too, but you know, I have to get up and pack the lunches, get the kids to school and, and just be myself still somehow. But I, I, yeah, it, it might be a little cringy, but I, I certainly share that. Like I cry on the bathroom floor too. We all do. And then somehow we just like gather ourselves up and live our lives the best we can. And uh, I don't know, it sounds so cliche, but like if, if I can do this stuff, anyone can do this stuff and you will do the ups and downs and you will get through it. And I think the more I've shared that, I'll be 100% honest with you, the more I've been authentic about my ups and downs, regardless of like if somebody's like, oh, she's having too many good days or she's having too many sad days or she needs to not be doing that or doing this in my perceived. Right, I was going to say, are you hearing that or are you telling yourself that? No, right. no. Like like my, my perceived uh, kind of mindset of like, I'm on this journey, I should be X. Should I be more sad? Should I be lamenting this more when I'm having fun I do struggle sometimes with like a little bit of like guilt of like just whatever you know because I think it's mostly because of cancer less because of the ostomy I'll be honest with you there but it's just I want to be honest with how the day is going regardless of what anyone might think because the more I've done that the more that my connections that I do have have grown into real friendships um, and people truly trusting me with their story and their hard stuff and asking me vulnerable questions. And, and I've been happy to make these connections because as much as they've helped anyone else, they've helped me. And I wouldn't have that if I was just literally every day, like plastering a smile on because we can do that. We, and we do have to do that in so much of our lives. Right, but yeah. You're pointing, not in this space. Yeah. You're, po you're pointing to two things. One, you're telling the truth of, and freeing yourself in the process, giving yourself space to, to, to find comfort and self-expression in the new you. And... 
that the other thing is that creates connection with others. Like in 2007, when I was first diagnosed, you know, we all had blogs and you'd like yeah. search and you'd find blogs and I made my blog public and I, yeah, I was doing exactly what you're, you know, you know, exactly what you were saying. Like I was typing in my blog, like I literally typed one day, today I don't want you to know the following. And I learned that the more I share about what I'm embarrassed about and what I'm ashamed of, the freer I become. I had a separate, I created a separate blog for people to tell them about my colostomy. And one of my buddies was like, Bert, if you're not going to tell everybody who is, I was just like, oh. So I did another blog post. Hey, y'all. It's a good friend. I made, yeah, exactly. I made a separate blog to keep a secret from all of you so you wouldn't know I was going to have a colostomy because I'm so ashamed of it. Like, Amy, I... But you did that. But you did that. And you posted that. You owned it. Yeah, because even if you felt the shame, feeling it, I don't think is the wrong thing. Well, I acted on it too, though, remember? I created a separate... I created a separate private... But (laughs) you gave yourself time to be ready for that. I certainly wrote many a thing full of truth in my little notes app before I posted a single thing about even being diagnosed with cancer. Your space and time of when you do that, I, I try to tell people that because I've gotten messages where they're like, I don't, I don't feel necessarily like you. And I'm like, so? Right. So what? You don't have to. Or maybe you will. I, I'll say, I said, like, Give yourself six months. Like, I literally will tell friends that. You don't know. So you did that. Yeah, you did it. When were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed in November of 2019. And then I went through initial chemo and radiation. My chemo and radiation started uh, December 14th or December 9th and went to January 14th. And I didn't tell anyone I had cancer. It was the holidays. I don't want to ruin a girl's Christmas. You told your husband? I went, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe you didn't. Like, <laughs> you're no, like, a, you're, you're, all, you're, you're incredible. I'm not that stoic. <laughs> I was going to no, say. I, no, I didn't tell anyone at large. That's not a fair you. statement. Please let me. Please, please, no, no. I get it. I get it. I get it. No, I, I told, um, I told a couple of close friends because I had accidentally said, hey, I'm going to get a. Uh, 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 colonoscopy and they asked me my results and I was definitively diagnosed at uh, he didn't stage me but my 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 colonoscopy showed it was like clearly cancer and uh, so I told those few friends and they were like my closest girlfriends and then um, my husband and my dad and my in-laws and then I just went through treatment. I went to radiation every single day. Right. And I just go at lunchtime. <laughs> and so we drop the girls off at school in the morning, smile and wave at everyone, and then go off and do it. And it was so hard because I was trying not to show any emotion. But I'm, you know, it was a lot. But then when I finally got to the end of radiation at the middle of January, I kind of said, okay, I'm about to have this surgery. And like, you can hide some things, but you can't hide being down and out from a proctorectomy. <laughs> and at the time, the world was not closed down yet. This is pre, right before COVID hit. 
So and how come there was January, no no visitors? Okay, so January it ended radiation. They wanted me off six weeks so that I could heal from radiation because radiation oh. really burns. Yeah. Oh yeah. It just it it roasts you in a different kind of way. So what kind of cancer are you so, diagnosed with? A rectal, yeah. Rectal cancer, it's okay. Stage three B rectal cancer. Mine was very low. They could access it, so they often did. It was a really hard. Um, it was a really hard couple of months from getting diagnosed. My colonoscopy uh, was in November thirteenth, I believe, and then it was just kind of fast and furious all the way through January. And January came. Um, radiation and chemo ended they gave me six weeks off and during that six weeks the whole world just changed completely yeah yeah and that yeah as you said that radiation is just like it's mm -hmm. you got a sunburn on my asshole and then get a sunburn and on inside. that sunburn and inside and then get a sunburn on that sunburn on that sunburn and then i am a male so my genitals are getting hit. Oh, no, no, nobody offered me a little, a little junk jacket to put around them. Don't worry, Why? it's not fun for females either. Oh, I'm sure. I know it's different. But no, it's, it's the it's whole all bad. Well, is any kind of pelvic radiation is very harsh. It's very harsh. Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm just yeah. I still remember like I had a. Uh, um, boils on my testicles that were the size of my thumbnail and then there was like it was and there was like five four and five whiteheads on each one and I was yeah. walking like a bow-legged cowboy because I was just like <laughs> and I got four or five radiation texts all these ladies are bent down oh, like yeah. face to face with my junk going wow we've never seen this before and I'm like this feels wait and you were worried about the back <laughs> see <laughs> I, I feel like I, I tell, I've, I, I've told this to a few people. It's like, you lose all your shame when you have a kid as a woman and, you know, your legs are up in the air and you're in mm. the hospital room with everybody like right around you. It's whatever. And then, you know, if you really want to lose your shame as a woman or a man, I'm sure I can only speak from my experience is get some rectal cancer in your life because I'll tell you what, like my shame is out the door. And that's probably why it's easier for me to be so um, open on Instagram. I, I don't, in my everyday life, I'm not walking around going, colon cancer, mm -hmm. ostomy bag. I don't have my bag out 24-7. Like, I don't ever want somebody to feel like, oh my God, I can't be around Amy because all she wants to talk about is her ostomy. <laughs> Just like that. I have my space on Instagram where I can do that. And I can normalize it for myself and others and all of that. But like in my everyday life, you know, unless something comes up, I'm just kind of like living. And if it happens to show, it does or whatever. But yeah, this isn't my whole thing. It's just part of my thing. Yeah. And as I don't use Instagram all that much to share the intimate side of my daily experience on this show, there's nothing there's i don't know what i won't say you know what i mean i'll nothing off limits yeah. no well, it's just my nature important. well and i think it's important because more people hearing that being talked about especially uh especially men women as women we're more i think because mm -hmm. we have children and because we lose that shame and because just by nature i think women are i'm so sorry to tell you this just a little stronger, a little tougher. Mm. I don't know what it is. Something, something's in us that we're a little grittier, a little grittier. Well, women <laughs> but, in our culture, can I chime in for one sec? 
Yeah, of course. In our culture, in Western culture, women are encouraged to support one another, where men are encouraged to be stoic and to not have emotions. The only emotions Absolutely. we can have are happiness and anger. Absolutely. And then and we grow up and we learn like, oh, wait, like I'm dying inside. I'm not doing this. You no. have so many emotions. You do not just have two. <laughs> and I think like I, I push, I, I have male friends who share their journeys and I push them to be as open as they can possibly be because I feel like men especially are not represented in this community as well as women are. Um, and I think that comes from men are meant to, to have this persona of the, like, the, I, I don't feel that way. I just grin and bear it. And I just get up and chip the block or whatever it is. But men do have these emotions and they need somewhere for them to go. And they need people to understand them and they need people to connect with on them especially other men and the only way that these connections are going to happen is when people are being authentic because i think you're right women are encouraged i i think there's still some hitting where you know within the world of women there's it it tends to have like become a competition sometimes but i think we're it's shifting more towards empowering each other because our voices are bigger together collectively um, but we're represented a lot better than you guys are. And I encourage anyone who has an ostomy who is a male to get out there and share it to the degree that you're comfortable with. I don't think it makes you less strong. I think it makes you more strong. Being authentic in yourself is something that everyone, regardless of gender or identity, should aim to do. Yeah, because like you said, it's freeing. It's like when you wrote that blog and then you posted it. I'm sure, yes, parts of you are terrified, but it's it's a relief of I'm not carrying this on my heart alone anymore. And let the chips fall where they may. Let people think or right. say what they're gonna do because you know what they're gonna do it anyways. So let that all happen. But I don't have to carry this weight anymore. And I think men should not to tell men what to do but they should get out there and share their stories well what you're saying is from your experience yeah from your experience you've gotten so much freedom and power in your life from sharing and connecting and being vulnerable and you're saying from your experience men would benefit from that a lot it's and, worth it. and we I all know guys who are like you know oh, i wish i could be as honest as you and this and that and like you know when you see a man cry, it's like, that's not weakness. That is courage. You know what? I, it took that's me reality. so much to cry in front of other people. It took me so that's much. And, yeah. and then you want to know what happens? Amy, there'll be guys who are like, as, as we become closer friends, you know, they'll be like, oh, I was watching a show with my kids and I actually teared up a little bit. Now, why are they telling you that? Because it's their way of saying, like, I'm, I'm cracking open a little bit. Like I get what I get what's going on with you. And I see your freedom in being yourself. And trust me, anyone who's listening, like I have got a lot of growing to do. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, Absolutely. you know, but yeah, exactly. But it's, it's so wonderful. Anytime I see a person who is willing to share their authentic experience. And 
like you know uh what else like you know when you said like i will not die of embarrassment it's like oh my gosh like when i the first time i looked over at my pouch in the hospital and kind of was once i was kind of you know not with dope it, yeah. Out, yeah once i was with it and i started moving my bowels and the nurse changed it like it was on one of these episodes where it suddenly hit me someone said you know they didn't want to be in their body or they said something and i went oh my gosh that's what it was. I didn't want to be in my body when I saw myself pooping out of my abdomen and it had this smell. I was just like, I don't want this body. Like, no. And it was so hard. I mean, it, may I ask you about your experience with that? Yeah, absolutely. So what um, was that like I was just going to ask you, was yours an emergency? Did you go in emergency? or? Did oh, you hell no. Out? I did a, I did an alternative treatment. Forgive me for not knowing. <laughs> no, why would I'm you know? So sorry. No, I love that you're asking. It's, uh, here's what I, what I love about this show. I really don't research you at all. Oh, and, good. <laughs> and then you don't research me. And then you and I are stuck on a plane for two hours and we talk. This is us. Yeah. So, so this yeah, is yeah. like my favorite. <laughs> yeah, good. So I'm saying hell no. Like I did the opposite. Like I did an alternative treatment for 10 months because I did not want a colostomy. I got my okay, blood okay. work every month. I got my CT scans every quarter. I wasn't going to go like just blindly. I had a four-month-old baby the day I was diagnosed. But wow. I did an alternative treatment because I didn't want to lose my ass. Yeah. And when I, I mean, it was so hard. And I want you to know before that, when I was in my late 20s, it was a time where I just hung out in places where people would go skinny dipping and stuff and we'd go swimming. And... And I thought we froze, but we didn't. And so, yeah. like, I actually became a model for an art class so I could stop being embarrassed about being naked in front of people. I throw myself. Wow! I, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable. That's comf really impressive. Right. You're talking feel about vulnerability. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. I didn't feel comfortable swimming. I really had anxiety in water. So I swam four to five days a week. Because I just, if something confronts me, I'm like, go that direction. And, th and this colostomy, no. I, like, went and did an alternative treatment and had, like, people in my life freaking out. Now, the upside is that my doctor, my oncologist, was like, whatever you're doing must have made a difference. It's been a year. Not only have you had no metastasis, but, like, it, it mean, no, he you. said you didn't metastasize over a year. And then when they did the chemo and radiation, like, it, it destroyed the tumor. Because I eventually yeah. did traditional treatment when it got too painful because it was the tumor had grown into a nerve but my point is yeah. hell no i ran from this colostomy bag oh okay okay so i had okay. lots of time so when finally i was in so much pain the chemo radiation had ended up killing all the tumor cells tumor cells tumor cells so there was no pain but like when it was time for surgery by the time it had been a year and a few months 15 i was like do it I can't yeah. wait to, and then I had it, and I was like, just like, so embarrassed, and not wanting anyone so to see sorry. it. Well, thank you. It's a. It's a hard process. I mean, I don't think that anyone, whether it happens, you know, I think that everyone has to go through something. Like I said, that dark time that anyone who has, even if you don't have a, an ostomy, I've met other people with other major life changes just from sharing my story with yeah who resonate with my words for their own reasons and and i i love that and it's like amazing to me that it can transcend the awesome world or the cancer world or whatever but 
it's like when something like that happens, if you don't go to that dark place, like it'll eventually catch up with you. I think that I initially, my doctor mentioned where your tumor is, is really low. And they wanted the tumor board to review, but he was like, that doesn't look good. And I was like, what, like a J pouch? And he's like, no, like a full elastic. It was so close to the sphincter that the sphincter had to go to. Just, I was, mine was at the rectal wall was where it was, just above the rectal wall. So it's low, but it was up. Uh, It wasn't like, it wasn't, um, they could have rebuilt enough to give me a J pouch. By the time I was done with um, chemo and radiation initially, it did the same thing that yours did. The cell, the tumor was gone. There was nothing left when they went in for surgery. My doctor did end up removing some bone to like on mm. the bone that it was touching that area. They removed a ton of lymph nodes. They removed a, a and I have a full thoracotomy. I have the Barbie butt surgery. So that, I, that I love. I never heard that. I got yeah. a Barbie. I got that too. <laughs> you got the Ken. <laughs> so it's the it's a it's nothing below the 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 small intestine now. You know, my small intestine comes out of my abdomen. And we got to pause for a moment. Yeah. I have so much fun. Like when I'm like, one of the things I do is I blow glass and down a glass shop. And, oh, you know, cool. Right? And, and we all make pipes. And so it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a different kind of person that creates their own business and creates a, and, and blows glass for a living and makes pipes. And like, you know, it's been illegal for years to even make the damn things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. it's, it's, there's a certain personality, a certain, like, like I don't know, like an out, I, I want to say outlaw. I don't mean criminal. I just mean like the outlaw, the outsider, per, you know, think, think archetype yes. outlaw. That's I all know. I'm saying. They just don't roll the way everybody else does. And I'm down there and I'm like, yeah, I don't have a butthole. And they're like, they laugh and I go, I'm serious. They're like, what? And then they're trying to wrap their heads around like, wait, if they, I, if you're stitched up, like, then what happened? Then what? I go, yeah, well, it comes out my abdomen. They're like, yeah, but still, like, where's the, I'm like, there is no the. There is no the. <laughs> and how about, how no. about when you first had to sit down and you realize how much the skin around the glutes goes up into your body and you feel that pulling, right, right? Well, mine was because mine was so low and because I opted to my at the end of radiation, basically, they said you can have a J pouch. I was terrified of the idea of keeping anything for fear of Mm -hmm. recurrence. I had the tumor board again, reviewed everything from where my my reaction to chemo and radiation and plan for after surgery. And they all said the best choice, you know, ultimately it's my choice, but the best choice, what they recommended was the ileostomy surgery. And that's, it's proctoclectomy with an APR reconstruction. And what the APR reconstruction is, is they took part of my abdomen and basically (laughs) it's crazy. They push it down through your body to rebuild your bottom, basically. So they removed enough of my bottom that they needed to rebuild something you mean outside your glutes just not like your lower half my lower half so they cut your abdomen i'm cut you know i have a i I had a full abdominal surgery and then they push interior 
that tissue down to your bottom and stitch it there. And so for nine weeks post-surgery, I did a, a schedule of degrees where I could sit. So the first, I could not lay flat and I could not sit straight up. So I, in the hospital, had to be like low, but my back lifted somewhat. And then I could slowly sit up. And I think at like nine weeks, I could sit up to 90 degrees, but I had to sit on like a pillow or whatever. For me, because I had my surgery, so I went into surgery, it was uh, in March, and I had my surgery, um, I was at the hospital like seven days, and then I wanted to get out of there as soon as possible, because mm-hmm. this is when COVID was really big. Mm. And our hospital specifically had started to have an, have an influx of COVID patients, so like we were talking about how when I woke up, I just kind of, because of this situation, again, I kind of feel like my bad circumstances ended up being an advantage for me because I woke up in the hospital in ICU as soon as I was lucid. You know, I'm sure I woke, woke up a few times before that and said some funny things. But as soon as I was lucid, I looked down at my ostomy and it's in a clear bag when you're yes. first done with surgery. And I looked right at it. I was like, I looked at the nurse and I was like, I can do this. I grabbed this bucket that was next to me. I puked, handed her the bucket. And she was like, oh, I like you. I was like, yeah, you will. Because I'm getting, I'm getting the hell out of here in like a day. Mm. And I was doing, I mean, I was up out of that bed doing laps around the ICU to the point where the nurses were like, get her the hell out of here she's she's a nuisance me too me too i wanted to be out of the ice oh walking gets me out of here i'm walking Mm -hmm. they're like you are putting on miles dude i'm like yep get me out get me i wouldn't let them i wouldn't let anyone empty my bag oh really i was i'm i'm defiant i'm 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 just i i won't i want to control it and i wanted to control it and that was just my way of handling it so i from the jump, emptied my own bag. I was emptying my own drain. They were like, seriously, you need to stop. I'm like, well, I'm in here emptying my ostomy. I might as well empty my, you know, my drains from my surgery. But it's like, I just found comfort in doing it that way because one, I was there by myself. And I kind of felt like if I just lay here in this bed, I had one night in the hospital where my blood pressure, they just couldn't get it right. In so much pain, and they thought I had a blood clot. They put me in for a CT and they brought me back and they took me back out for something else. And it was just like I was laying there on so many drugs, and I just literally was like, I give up, like, I'll just lay here and whatever happens to me. And I felt that kind of like, just like, what else can I deal with? And I slept that night and I dreamt of my mom, who I lost of cancer at 50. And I was 25 years old. Oh. I was not done having my mom in my life. Yeah. And I dreamt of her that night. And I woke up in the morning and I was just like, you know what? Get back on your game, Amy. And I got back up and I was doing my PT in my room because, again, COVID, I didn't want to be in the hallways of uh, the regular recovery unit. So I'm in there doing PT. I'm like, get me out of here. I want to go home. 
And so my advantage was like, I had no choice. It's not that I'm some, maybe I am pretty gritty, but it's not that I'm some miracle of a person. I just got in there and just said, okay, I gotta do this. If I wanna go home and see the girls, I wanted to be with my girls. And I was worried about my family, you know, this pandemic was all so new. I was worried about myself, yeah. the recent person who had surgery and chemo. And it just, as unfortunate as my circumstances were in the time, it was, it's probably the reason that I got through it the way that I did. And why I have a, an upper hand now, or that it seems like I've moved maybe faster than other people have, because um I said this on another podcast. I was talking to a lady. I was like, have you ever had a job where they just go, go, you know, just do it. You basically figure it out. And it's often very messy. And that's been my experience. I fumbled my way through this to get to this point. But I will always know that I like got my hands right on there and, and did it. And and if I can show someone else that where they can say, okay, I don't need to spend all this time trying to accept it before I just kind of own it. So like for me, I always talk about acceptance and stuff, but I'm still on that journey for me too. I'm not fully there. So like you don't have to be fully there in acceptance. Like you, you weren't when you we're trying to do other alter and fair, fair enough. Who wants to do this? But you don't have to be in acceptance to just do it, to start doing it. But what's that quote? Like you don't have to be ready. Like just, just go. Right. Yeah. It's like, you don't know how you're going to do it and just move forward. Just take the first go. step. Google it. Find a friend. Call your doctor. Call your, call your ostomy nurse. Yeah. Just, you, you just find a way. It's like anything else you want to do, anything else that you need to do or have to do, you just do it. And yes, the option to lay in bed is certainly there. Take those days as needed because who doesn't need a day where they just say, I'm not doing any of this. Yeah, well, I had, what, six months of chemo following my surgery, and that laid me out. I was... Same. I had to go to physical therapy after treatment was over because I couldn't work. I couldn't do almost anything. Yeah, I'd have my week of chemo, and I'm just like, see ya. And then the next, it was every other week, so then the next week I could do things. And then as six months went on, the accumulative effect of the chemo comes to, by the time I was in my last few treatments, I'd have one good day out of 14. Like that day right before going back in, it's just like, it was, and that, I mean, how would I want to say it? The time that that allotted me to slowly go back out into the world, um, that was beneficial. It's interesting that you had it during uh, COVIDs when you're like, you 
double get me out of the Bert, you wanted to get out of the hospital? No, you don't even know what it's like <laughs> to want to get out of the hospital. But also, like, you couldn't also no, just go right back valid. into the world either. There was, it is no, valid. No, I couldn't. Like, because of COVID. But that's a vantage, too. I feel yeah. like I always feel like that gave me some space to really work this sh- shit out. Some you know? time, yeah. Yeah. And some time to read with, like, I had to lay down a lot and I had to be still. And then I also, I went in for the chemo post surgery as well. So, I spent six months getting um, IV chemo and doing oxaliplatin and, oh, and gosh, stuff's hard. being really, yeah, being really, really laid out, same, same, just where you can't, and it's a different kind of thing. And, and you're just talking about that, that cycle of the, of the knowing it's coming and then it happening. And then you're sitting there right after and you're on all these steroids. You don't like feel bad yet but you know it's coming mm-hmm. you get sick for a week and it's such a it's such a hard cycle to go through and unless you have done that it is really hard to um, imagine how exhausting that time can be and how um, the effects of that go way so far beyond the time that you're mm. on chemo um, ju- not just the physical, the mental, the emotional, everything. Um, but that is a really challenging uh, cycle to be on. And I did that as well. And I did my chemo, no visitors. So I, again, had this time to really look online and find people who were doing, doing what I was doing to start being more authentic with what I was saying because I would be alone at chemo and I would start typing things on my notes and it would start where I was being like inspirational Amy and then it would get real and gross and dark and just like it would be the reality of what I was feeling and at first I'm like oh my god I can never show somebody this but then as time went on I found myself feeling like I'm going back and taking those words from those moments where I was raw and in, in, in this process and I'm going to share them. And it did take me some time. Sometimes I felt like too vulnerable in the moment to share that. Mm-hmm. I'm less like that now. I kind of fly off the handle and like whatever I'm feeling, it goes up, you know? Um, but at that time I was, I was processing and stuff. So I had the time and then I had the time to get acquainted with my body and how I wanted to dress and feel in public before I could really even go in public. I didn't go anywhere for like six months after surgery because of COVID and because aside from treatments, but you know, I had time and I kind of worked through it during that time. And I'm still working on it now, even it's two years later, I'm still figuring it all out for myself, but that time was really, I think, it was a weird time in the world. Um, it was a weird time in my life. And I don't think I've had people be like, oh, well, at least you had cancer during COVID because you don't miss anything. And, and that's, a, that's, that's a weird notion. But <laughs> the, idea, the idea that I had the space in my life where I wasn't expected to shuttle my kids around the way we used to. And I had the space in my life to not have anyone in my face because they literally couldn't. And I had to just deal with this person, you know? Mm-hmm. Like my little peanut. 
Go ahead. Go ahead. That's a hard person to deal with. You know, that's like your your own brain, your own your own mind. That's a scary place to be alone. You know, but if you have that space, then yeah, a dangerous place to be. Well, inside the mind, inside the world of what if. I think you posted about that, and I commented totally. on it recently. Yeah, I, was like, I hate that world. The world of what if is a bad neighborhood. Get out of there. I feel myself going there. And I don't say, I don't like, I don't shame myself for feeling those things because I think it's fair to wonder what if this didn't happen to me? What if my cancer comes back? Or what if I can't do this forever? Or what if this or what if that? I think it's fair to have those feelings. And I never want to be like, don't have that feeling. I just think that while you're yes. in that neighborhood, you gotta turn it around and say, okay, if I didn't have these things, I wouldn't have these people in my life, or I wouldn't have uh, this perspective that I do, or I wouldn't have um, started to really like myself, where prior to my surgery, I was, I couldn't do enough to ever feel like I was enough for myself. Not that even other people weren't weren't telling me I wasn't enough. I just, I was like, oh, Amy, you, you're not doing enough. You're not working hard enough. You're, you're ugly. You're this, you're that. You have, you don't have enough of this. You, you haven't had enough success or you, you're not a good enough mom. Or, 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 Ew, look at that part of your body or, oh my gosh, can you ever get your shit together or whatever, whatever, whatever. And I still have those moments. Absolutely. Hands down. I struggle with that still. I'm much more kind to myself and when those feelings arise instead of feeling so much shame I just kind of remind myself nope nope you are enough you can do this you've done harder things before maybe I have to have a little meltdown that's my way Mm -hmm. crying meltdown type something out all fast and feverish but that's my way and that's how I go okay okay we're going to, you know, this morning my phone was not working. I told you my phone's a brick today. And I, I woke up in a panic and I just, I had a little hissy fit in the garage and said, okay. You know, my husband said we have Simone's phone and you can use that. We found a, we found a solution to the problem. And I think like that, that kind of lesson just keeps coming up in my life is that you can have your little fit about whatever it is I had it when I found out I had to have a bath I had a meltdown did you I thought I was gonna be a monster I thought it mm-hmm. meant me too horrible things and after my little hissy fit I kind of like wiped my face and said all right so what if I am a monster how the hell do I be this monster like how do I do this what are the logistics of it let me figure that out first and I think maybe you know start there if you're if you're really struggling with the mindset of um, I can't accept this find a routine at least for your logistical stuff that makes you feel at ease and then the other stuff will come I'm still working on it well you're I don't like it what you're speaking about yeah what you're speaking about is expressing the emotion and then uh I've a lot of different teachers I've taken this from but Byron Katie words it so succinctly I don't know if you know about Byron Katie but she's like She's amazing. And she says, is it true? 
and then she has these four questions she asks, and I never remember the third and the fourth, but the second one is like, mm-hmm. okay, is it really true? And then it's like, no, it's not. So that's, for me, that's like, okay, cool. It's not true. I'm, so where are you going with it? I'm like, right now, I want to be a pouty, bitchy victim. All right, cool, do it. Don't get it in other people's face, but like, do right. it. But then recognize that you're responding to something you made up that isn't real. And and if the emotion got the you best might be of you. doing it to yourself, yeah. Yeah, so like, do like a dog does. When a dog gets up and shakes it all off, shake it off, move my body, jump around, lift up the kettlebell, go for a walk, do hills, whatever I got to do. Absolutely. And then, yeah, and then, and then move forward. But, but, but don't, and I don't want to tell anybody what to do, but I won't just try to push the emotion aside and bury it. Cause I'm like, absolutely. not to mention also, and I want to acknowledge it. My personality type is like emotions they are on me like a wet blanket. I can't even Same. do things. I can't do my normal thing with the emotion on me. And I used to know what's wrong with me. Nothing. Yeah. You're just that type. That's just who you are. That's just who you are. I, I tell people all the time, like, it's not wrong to be this way. What you need to do are use your tools to kind of lock it up, you know, lock it up and keep it. Not Not that you're pushing those feelings aside, but that you're able to process it for yourself um like you know removing yourself from the room like i know i'm gonna have a hissy fit sometimes about things i'm going through and and i have two children and i have to walk out of the room and that's not to say i haven't slammed things in front of them and been you know an emotional wreck but now i'm learning i walk away and i have my little moment and then once i have my moment then i know i can bring myself back into that logical thinking of is it true? I love that. Is it true? Is it really true? But for me, it's usually like, okay, what can I do about this? Like, what are my, what, what, how can I, at, if I can't solve it, can I, how can I kind of get through it? And I, I am a very creative and um, like hippy dippy spiritual person but sometimes we just need a list of things like number one do this number two do this and because my brain doesn't always work like that it's just like swirling around and I'm thinking of a song that I'm into today or I'm thinking of an idea that I want to do next week or or I'm thinking of the emotions I'm feeling because I'm struggling with this that the other or the what the kids need sometimes I just have to like get a piece of paper and write my list because it helps me go, okay, here's my logical steps because my emotional, who I am, I'm like you. I wear it like a, a everyone can tell. Everyone knows it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's impacting my everything. And it's what makes me a good friend and a good mom and a good person and fun to be around. But it also is what makes me emotionally challenged a lot of times, um, guilt-ridden a lot of times, uh, doing the why me's and, and self-deprecating to the, to the degree that, like, you know, I'm grinding myself into the dirt over nothing. You know, I've done nothing truly wrong. Right. But, um, you know, it's figuring out how you, how you get out of that place and, and get up and do your day. Because yes, it's 
we're all going to feel those things. And I think especially when you have something like this or recent cancer experience where I, I was just describing it the other day as like your emotions are so close to the surface that like, you know, my phone not working, it does send me kind of reeling. And everyone else might think that's kind of crazy or that's kind of like unfair, but I'm dealing with things and I have to give myself that benefit of the doubt that I tell myself, you're dealing with things that other 36 year old moms are not dealing with. If you miss something or if you have a, a breakdown about something that seems silly to someone else, you, I give myself that grace. And I think like, as cliche as it sounds, like, forgiving myself when I have those moments, uh, loving myself anyways, seeing the good in myself, looking in the mirror and saying, I love you. Sometimes you really make me <laughs> wonder and I'm disappointed at this, but like, I love you anyways. And it's, it's how you would talk to your children or how you would talk to your friend or how you talk to your mom or dad. It's, well, maybe not your mom. I don't know. I don't know your family dynamics, but it's how you would talk to somebody that you truly love. And you have to truly love yourself to get through this, I think, and trust yourself, even though, like, I get so low that I'm like, am I, you know, am I as strong as I, as I think I am? And I just have to say, yep, because, because yeah. I keep showing up and doing yeah, as simple as that is. And for some folks, some folks, uh, or I'll put it a different way, like I, you know, went through a lot of training. I literally did, you know, like self awareness training programs. I have worked with a therapist multiple times. I, you know, I'm a cancer survivorship guide, you know, coach, mentor, and I have worked with a coach on and off since 2010. It's like it's, I'm constantly in dialogue about what I'm going through. And, you know, you said love yourself and forgiving yourself. Like, when I really wanted to know what that was, one day I was still like, hold up. Not one day, you know, after tons of work. Mm -hmm. I was like, I had a 1970 uh, Cadillac sedan Deville at one point, And I was born in 1970. So I'm like, I'm a 1970 Cadillac sedan Deville. One of the wipers is messed up. There's a blinker. I don't know what it's doing. There's a tire in the back I'm concerned about. The muffler's rattling. Mm -hmm. And on cold it's days, awesome it makes this weird knocking sound. Like, that's literally me. That's what I am. And I woke up one day, and I'm driving this car, and I'm me. And, like, I didn't invent me. I didn't create me. So I can't be judging myself for being who I am. However, I do have to be responsible for not crashing into other people. And when it's very I very hard not to do and, as your car gets a little more shabby, right? Exactly. And so I'm going to do it now and again, and I got to be responsible for it and own it. And like, you know, I've told my kids, you know, my, you know like, you, you want to know what it's like to apologize? Learn from me because I've done it way too many times because, you know, I'm like, it, it, and I hate it every single time. And now, like, I manage myself when I'm around people in part very selfishly because I don't want to have to apologize. <laughs> it's not I'm that I don't want to say getting there. I'm still getting there. I do. A, I do a fair amount of apologies. I also have kind of tried to shift my apologies. Um, I read something along the way and I wish I could cite it correctly, but it's pretty sure it was just like a meme, but like, instead of apologizing saying, 
hey, thank you for understanding that I'm struggling with something right now because I got into this mode where I'm like, I feel like I'm just telling everyone I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for something that I, I never chose, I never wanted, and I'm just trying to get through. And apologizing all the time starts to make you feel like it is your fault. And so, yes, sometimes I do have to apologize specifically to my children when I lose my temper and I'm having a hard time because of things that are bubbling in my mind. That so important. So important. Yeah. And I do, I get right. I do apologize to them. And I will say, look, I am having a hard time and I am sorry. And I'm a person and I love you no matter what happens. And I, and I, you know, I try my best. I hope my children are good people despite the mother they have. I try to show them that these things in your life may and they will happen. Like everyone says they may happen. Yeah. Things will happen. Something's gonna happen. Things are going to happen over and over and over and over and over. And you have to find a way to get up and do them. Because I did get to the lowest point where I thought screw this i'm done and literally the 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 thing that said you are not done and there's no way you can you can give up are those two girls because yeah. they rely on me so i tell them when i'm struggling and they know and we apologize and our house gets loud and you know there's three girls and my husband so this house gets loud and, and then i remind them that I'd rather live in a house with them where we talk openly about, oops, I screwed up. Sorry, I yelled. Then we all pretend like things didn't happen. And, you know, and, and they worry they don't have a place to come and talk to me right. or that I wouldn't accept them if things weren't perfect. Or, or oh, like gosh, the heck with perfect. Like you're modeling yeah. for them how to be a human. Well, right. When you and apologize think, like, to them, you know, when you when you clean up, it's yeah. like uh, this is look, kids like you don't have a perfect mom. And guess what? You're not going to have a perfect you. And so this is how you that, own it. Well, our gener- I, I'm born in 1985 and you said 1970. So I do feel like I am kind of on that cusp of I'm you know, I get lumped in with the millennials, but I d- certainly didn't grow up with that kind of childhood. My parents were very my mom was an amazing woman. I I mentioned I lost her to uh, uterine cancer, which was connected to this uh, genetic condition that I have, which resulted in my cancer. Mm. Um, but she was an amazing person. She modeled so many wonderful things for me um, and just a pillar of strength and, and kindness. And everyone who knew her felt at home in her heart. And she taught me so many things, but I, I wrote this the other day and I was, I want to post it. If I can get back into my notes app, we'll see. Mm. But just like that, she taught me how to have a heart that feels like home, but I don't feel like she had the time or the resources with what she knew and, and, and where we were at, like within society to teach me how to protect that heart and to honor that heart and not allow it to, be swept up in, in, in wanting to be some kind of um, persona of who you actually are. Instead, just she was so authentic and she would just be herself so fully 
that I feel like I, I, I take that lesson, but I'm still trying to figure out like, how do you be yourself so authentically, so fully you teach your children to be humans, but I want to teach them, you know, to care for themselves too, to care for themselves too, not lose themselves in the, in the trying to be the best mom or trying to be the perfect role model or whatever. And so as much as it's embarrassing to sit down and go, I'm so sorry to my kid and say, I dropped the F-bomb and I slammed the drawer and that's not how you handle your feelings. <laughs> and I'm embarrassed right now, um, but I love you. And if you'll, you know, <laughs> if you want to talk to me about it, let me know. But I understand if you're ticked off at me right now too, but it's just showing them that that is life because that is what's happening. Whether or not people are owning things and they're sweeping them under the rug it is still happening and I like that honesty with my kids and I don't know we'll see yeah I'll let you know in like 20 years right yeah, yeah. I didn't get a similar I didn't get real the, the degree of honesty that I bring with to my kid I didn't get that from my parents like there there was apologizing old but there was, it was this old school it's way of parenting school. yeah and it's like what I decided very early on with my boy was that because uh, my stepson I came into his life when he was a little bit older but and um, and his mom and I aren't together anymore but he's still my stepson and we're all still a family and but with my little guy when he was born shortly after I realized once he started talking and things I was like I want to model for him the way of being that there was a there was a illusion of perfection in life as a kid you know like i'm the i must be doing something wrong my parents are never apologizing i couldn't i can only articulate that now looking back you know but it's right. t apologizing different word taking responsibility modeling for my kid what it means to take responsibility i say to my boy i'm like look when we're fishing and something needs to be done there's times that I panic and whatever comes out of my mouth doesn't even, it's not, if it's even words, it doesn't make sense because you're bringing the fish in. I'm like, I'm, and I, you know, I'm trying to say, yeah, move the rod that way on the boat. And instead I yell something ridiculous that only has him feel like, you know, diminished. And I'm like, but, I'm but confused. Right, yeah. so I own that with him. And he's like, one time he looked at me, he goes, yeah, Papa, you're doing that thing that you do. You're doing that right now. And I just started laughing. I'm like, what? A, what a great kid! Yeah, like I, I, I'm. But proud. I'm so aware of it already. So you were modeling that yeah. because you had to have acknowledged that at least once with him before. Oh, many times. Because he, you know, then he was recognizing it, and that's helpful too. I think that's so important that we have people in our life who see us struggling, and don't just go, hmm. I'm not gonna, oh, I'm not gonna push her any further, but actually go, hey, I noticed your, my, my very best friend, we've been best friends since we're 16 years old. She's been just there for me through so many things and this included. And she will literally call my phone or text me over and over and say, you're isolating and you're not allowed to isolate. <laughs> you're not allowed to do that, you know, so don't hide from me. So you need those people in your life who your kids included. I mean, they're humans in this world too. And they're just trying to figure it out just like you are. 
um, that you need people who will say, hey, I love you so much that I'm willing to tell you you got food in your teeth, you know, or <laughs> yeah, you know, please, you're embarrassing yourself right now, you know, because because if you if you if you really do love the people in your life and you want to, you know, people will say, how do you how do you be there for someone who is going through this or or you know whether it's Austin or kinks or other things, how do you be there for somebody else? It's just like. I think you just acknowledge it and you say like, Hey, um, cause they're never not thinking about it. Right. They're never not thinking that they have cancer, that they're going through this or that this ostomy has changed their life, but it's the not acknowledging it. It's like, you know, turning away. Those are the things that are really hard to deal with when you're going through this kind of thing, because it does feel so isolating and not everyone is just going to, letting you know what they need help with. I think people need people in their life who are going to go, I know what, like, I think about my, my best friend, Amanda. I, I know what Amanda needs, and I'm going to show up and do it for her. Or she knows what I need. And she, um, regardless if we say, oh, yeah, I, hey, how are you? You know, that, like, let me know what I can help with. It's, it's a really nice sentiment, but you need people in your life who are willing to break down that wall and be like, Hey, you're isolating. You need help with this. I'm going to do this for you. You can't really argue with me, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. That break that down. Yeah, it's super important. Uh, it's, you know, for me, it was so difficult to ask for things, ask yeah. for support. I'm a guy. I was and like, you don't even know what to ask for. I think in the moment of, I think what people maybe don't understand is in the chaos of whatever life events, you people will say, let me know what you need. And that almost feels like an additional burden because you don't even know what you need. Right. But when someone says, Hey, I'm going to the grocery store right now. Can I grab you anything? Right. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm driving right fair. past your that's house. A, yeah. like, no, but, but like, that's how you can do it. Like, Hey, that's I'm, fair. That's a fair thing. You're, you're right. And that sentiment is, is so important. I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's like taking that, taking the onus off of the person who's already in crisis and just saying, hey, I'm going to leave this at your door. And, you know, if it if it rots, it rots. But you know that there's a rotisserie chicken at your door today, you know. So that yes. But there's some things that I think that it's easier for people to not kind of, because they don't want to hurt you more. And I think a lot of people think if they're pressing you for something that they met, maybe they're bringing it up. It's just it's hard. You have to have people who understand you and know you and you have to cultivate those relationships as best you can. And there's not, I, I'm not saying like I have a million of those, like it, it's just, you have to value the ones you have and lean into those and be appreciative of those. And then when they do remind you, like, like your son, Hey, Papa, you're doing that thing. Oh, okay. Wait, this person who really cares about me, I need to stop and like, look inward, go look in the mirror, take a deep breath, because if this person who cares about me is seeing that I'm struggling, then, then I gotta, I gotta take stock for a second. And I don't think that's, I think that's incredibly um, strong and self-aware and um, honest. And 
thinking you have it all figured out or thinking you are the kind of personification of whatever you present to the world, thinking you're done with your kind of journey to, to whatever it is. I think that's the, the weak stuff. It's, it's good more of us talk about this ugly stuff because whatever the topic is, it gives someone else the, the space to go on and talk about my ugly I'm really hurting about it. Yeah, so teach me something, Amy. I've got a question. Sure. Like, you will put on some, like, how will I say this? It's like, when I see some posts that you put Good on, music? Oh. Good music, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you put on some, like, uh-huh. the hell with uh-huh. what you do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with me. So, like, I want to put more posts. I want more posts. I want to put posts up, period, with my pouch. But do it. I don't, I'm a person... When I bought a new car, I did not post on social media because I okay, don't. Okay, same. When I, I don't do buy a new guitar, I don't post on social media. I don't post pictures of my body on social media. I'm in good shape. You know, exercise, take care of myself. Be proud. But but it's not it's it's not. I don't have a muscular body. Um, like I don't know if you know Jake O'Brien. I follow him. He was on the podcast. That man, he he's wonderful. He's a real combination of emotional and vulnerability and big body and so like in my brain i'm like i see i don't want to make it a male female thing i'm going to make it about me like i see this one i see jake post his body and and his what he's dealing with and i'm like that dude's jacked you know what i mean and then i'm like if i post me i'm like there's a vulnerability that i don't know if i want to deal with what's going to go on in my head if i post it i'm like sure you'll post a picture yourself and you got some like you did you did um the backyardigans music and you like you (laughs) you, and and you pulled your skirt up and it's looking really or maybe was it down i can't remember which but it was uh i guess racy is it racy the right word and like yeah i guess i like that word yeah racy that's a good word why not and so like and and uh, and then i'm like oh i could never you know, that's not my nature, so I wouldn't do something like that. But it's really difficult so, for me to post pictures of, like, you know, this is my body and this is my pouch. I immediately look at it. I'm like, don't be posting okay. that picture. You don't be. What are you doing? <laughs> no, here's the thing is, I, and I, I understand exactly your sentiment, what you're getting at here. It's that, okay, so that's kind of like my little process because that's kind of who I that is who I have always been, like a little cheeky and I like wearing cute outfits and I like having fun and going, having happy hour with my girlfriends, going dancing. And that's just who I have always been. And I like good music and I like old movies and I like music from every decade. And I'm unapologetically a fan of literally every genre of music. My playlist will jump from one to the next, but that's just me. And that's how I'm doing it to find my way. I always, since the beginning of time, I get crazy nails. Since I'm like 16, I've been getting crazy nails. I like fun bathing suits. I, This is something, if you went on my Facebook and click on 2009 Amy, I'm maybe not as confident as I am now, but this is who I just am. And so what I did as I was like processing this is I said, this is what I like to do. I like to dance around, look in the mirror, do my exposure therapy, make myself look at the bag and say, you're fine, you're fine. And uh, and 
and I want to feel cute and I want to feel like a woman and I want to feel like how I used to feel like I had um like I could show my body and be proud like what you're saying like somebody who's really jacked you know I I worked out really hard before I got married and I on my honeymoon I should have been like showing that body off like no other and I remember being like I need to take off my cover-up because it was like it still wasn't good enough Mm. and now the me who I've kind of learned to grow into is more like I'm gonna take my cover-up off and I'm gonna feel good about myself and if you don't like it, you can just angle your face that way, you know, and, <laughs> and deal with you. Or you can go snicker and talk behind my back mm-hmm. and make fun of me or whatever you want to do. But that's you. And if you're doing that and if I'm making you feel something by seeing my bag or my body, whatever my body looks like, then that's something maybe you need to look within about, right? Like you were saying, like you're asking yourself, what if I did that? Well, I think the reason is what you're saying, like why it might sound weird to you is that that's maybe not you. What you would do is maybe do something completely different. And I can't say like, just go ahead and post it and you'll feel nothing because I certainly do feel vulnerable. And I do worry, like, you know, are people thinking something about me that's negative or are people assuming something about what I my intentions or, or what I'm trying to accomplish or where I'm going with this. Um, but ultimately, like anything in life, you can't control what anyone else thinks. You can't control what anyone else does. And I find comfort in sharing my journey and dancing around and having fun and then having my friends send me messages that say, oh my God, you made me smile today because selfishly, as a people pleaser, that makes me feel good about my existence in the world. And it also makes me feel like I went through all of this for life beyond. And I don't know why it grew into this, maybe because of the isolation. But for me, this has become part of my life beyond. It's not the whole thing. It's not nearly the whole thing. You know, I have two children. So what people see on my Instagram is like literally my few seconds in the bathroom getting ready (laughs) for the morning. And I'm just, I'm just documenting it so that I know I've done these things for myself and took a, taken a moment to try to get ready to do this again for another day. And it's not always so dramatic. It's a lot of times it's just, I want to get in a good mood. And I want to get moving. I want to move my body. I want to dance. I want to listen to a song that makes me happy or reminds me of a movie I love or makes me think of a time in my life or a friend or whatever. And uh, and then I'm going to post it and hopefully it uplifts other people. But then I got to go on and be the Amy that this world knows. You know, I'm... I'm at PTO. I'm at school drop-off and pick-up. I'm shuttling kids around. I'm putting on socks and working through tantrums and cleaning house. And, 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 and hopefully eventually I'd love to, I miss working. I loved working, but like I have so many other parts of my life. This is just one little 
Yeah, your answer yeah. is really helpful. I appreciate it. It's uh, what I'm noticing as I'm listening is that part of my nature is to constantly find ways to contribute to the world around me. If it's with my immediate community at the shop, if it's with friends, if it's with family, if it's in the greater community, it's or in the world, you know, like this podcast, you know, it's like part of why I do it is because I've got this just need to be a contribution to the world. Same. And listening to you, I'm like, you want to know what? I'm going to take some time to just sit with the possibility that maybe posting pouch photos on my feed is just not my self-expression. It absolutely may not be. Because I love I what you do, like, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, hell, no, I want to do that. There, there's that. one dude, he had like Crohn's, he has Crohn's or something. He posted mm -hmm. pictures of the stoma. And for those of you yeah. who are listening. I have not done that. Yeah, and for <laughs> those of you who are listening, the stoma that. is where the intestine exits the abdomen. And it's red like the inside of your mouth. And it doesn't look normal. And I'm like, that? Pretty personal. That dude posted that. I'm so inspired by him because there's mm -hmm. few people in my life who've ever seen mine. Mm -hmm. And, of course, one of my buddies, when I... he saw it, he immediately was breaking my balls about it. You know what I mean? Just like teasing. <laughs> which which I, I, I love friend. that. That's, That's a good okay. friend, yeah. That's a great friend, yeah. Yeah, we all have our no, I'm just going to sit with it. Well, I think I think you should sit with it and I and just so you don't feel like you're the only person who thinks those things I I have not posted my my stoma exposed at this point um except for in one picture I did have my clear bag and so if somebody zooms in they could technically see my stoma but I I have certainly had many edited photos ready to go but I've sat with that myself because I felt like so much of what I've done, I do based off of exactly what I feel as I'm feeling it kind of thing. I try to be as true and authentic to this, to wherever I'm at mentally or emotionally in, in the way that I'm comfortable. But every time I've gone to post my bare stoma, I have had pause. And so I've had in my journal written about hundred times like when are you going to do that when are you going to break that wall down and for me I'm just like I'm just not there right now and maybe I'll be there tomorrow maybe I'll be there in a year maybe I'll never be there but I don't I don't want to make myself feel less um, valuable to the ostomy community because there's parts of it that I keep for myself and I don't think you should feel that way either um Especially if doing it would be totally inauthentic against what you right. feel naturally. And that's, I think, because I vocalize that so much, I kind of hold myself accountable. It's like almost like, do it, you know, do it. it's like imposter syndrome. Like, you know, you tell everyone to be authentic and then you don't post your stoma. Is that really authentic? Right. Like, authentic think, means having no boundaries. But to me, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, no, I have to remind myself, like, no, actually being authentic is I'm here in my journey. I'm not there yet. I'm here. I can't, I can't give, I can't do something that's against how I feel and then turn around and be like, you know, because I am, because that's inauthentic. And maybe that's, that's actually something I should probably write about, Siri, inspiring me right now, because 
the the journey to being authentic does not necessarily mean like you said having everyone know everything you think at every given moment or right, see right. every little bit of your life i think it's more that that you honor how you feel and so do it don't do it you know you also have the option to post a close friend story and you can pick all your ostomy friends post it on your story and say hey guys i've never posted a bag picture before i'm just posting this to you only because i trust you 10 people or a million people i don't know how many ostomy friends you have but you know and then and then that's a way where you can it's like somebody coming to me about about their bag. It's like they trust me to be a, a, a place like for them. And so I really respect that and I take it to heart and I try to honor it with like, you know, a valid response or whatever. Um, so if you have a safe place with your close friends community where you can post that stuff, but you don't have to have it on grid and you certainly don't have to do anything that isn't true to you in order to own the experience of having an ostomy. Yeah, appreciate your answer. It gave me really something to uh, to think about. I don't mean, I don't post much on... Now if I see it, I'm going to be like, huh? hey! Yeah, maybe I will. But it's a, I'm, I no, tend to lean I, more I towards that. silliness. No, I see. I appreciate that everyone is different because how boring it would it be if you went on your Instagram and literally everyone was doing exactly the same thing. Or even somebody was doing the same thing every single day or, you know, um, or you just felt like it was not the, not the real deal or something. So I think that it's important that we have the whole experience of, of, of sharing your journey of your perspective too. As you said, we even just this, like people are working through should I post my own pictures because they just had surgery? And I see people now adding me and sending me messages and they had surgery a month ago and they're posting their pictures. And I'm like, so when you say I move quick, I'm like, I'm seeing these people moving really fast these days. Yeah, and we're a community, like you said, and some folks, yeah. are, you know, you got, a, you got a team, one person's playing first place, base someone else is a catcher, someone's pitching, someone's in the outfield. It's like everybody's got their position. You don't have to do everything, right? It's like, and, and here you and I are speaking because I saw your social media, I saw your Instagram, and I was like, hell yeah, I need to bring her in here. We need to talk. And, and you know, it's, it's empowering. It's, it's cool to hear, too, when, um, you know, I do talk to a lot of women, um, but it's cool to hear, like, guys are empowered by it, too. You're, you're thinking about Absolutely. how you can do it in your own way. I think that I've met people online from all walks of life and all ages. And um, some of my favorite people are not necessarily posting anything about their ostomy, let alone their bare body. I do want to say, though, because I was thinking while you were talking about that, is that not posting your body because it's not the societal norm is like exactly what I'm trying to work against in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's convenient when somebody is um, like um, 
generally accepted to be attractive or has, you know, a structure of body that is accepted to be attractive by the mainstream, whatever that version of that looks like. Um, and I think they tend to get a lot of airtime and they get a lot of attention and they get a lot of, uh, you know, kudos for doing this thing. And it's, it's because like, it's closer to what we're used to looking at, right? Because yeah, they still have a bag, but but there's nothing wobbly and their scar isn't too deep or their scars. And I feel like I would love to help inspire people to work against that because like my abdomen protrudes. Sometimes I struggled with um, bloating and uh, trouble because I did have a full abdominal surgery where all of my muscle wall was cut open. Yeah. And I've lost a ton of weight because of chemo. And I don't haven't always felt like my best self or my most attractive self. And I think sh showing my body when it wasn't what I was used to and, and learning to kind of work with that and like love it anyways, or, or at least not. Some days I always say it's not like acceptance. It's just more neutrality. Like, okay, whatever. Like, this is what I got to move my brain around in. And I'm going to do that. Um, but I think we should be posting more bodies that are different because there is no one body shape, especially when it comes to cancer. There is no one person or it's not just people who are, you know, one way or the other, whatever it is, there's all of us and representing different bodies is like really important, especially to our children because to feel like you have to hide away or not get help based on not having you know, the body that you want to have or not sharing something because it's like, oh, I don't have a six pack. Well, yeah, I, me either. I never did. And right. oh, well, and life goes on and the world keeps turning. And anyone who loves me has never even thought for two seconds, why don't you look like you know a movie star? Yeah. It's just we're all out here being normal people and I'd love to see more and more and more of the people who feel like I call it being a goonie. Uh, I'm a big movie junkie. I call it being a goonie. I'm a goonie. I'm an outsider. Um, I'm not, I haven't always fit in. I struggled with that probably my whole life. Um, just kind of always been who I am and ran from it for a long time. Mm -hmm. Now I realize that like, I like that. That's, that's my little superpower. It's your superpower too. It's everyone has it, but I'm a big fan of the Goonies, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. like, let's uplift the Goonies in, in the world. Hell yeah. I think, <laughs> I think these, I all power to your previous guest and I'm sure he's an incredible person. And I uplift everyone, but like, hey, I love an underdog and I love a person who's a little offbeat and might need to be uplifted yeah. in their own way. And if I represent that little faction, I like that. I love the, the Goonies. And if you listen to his uh, episode, you'll hear that like you want to talk about exposing yourself and being vulnerable, mm -hmm. like wide open. And yeah. for that matter, anyone who listens to this show regularly knows that like I'm completely naked on this show. I mean, I've I've posted shows before and been like, okay, that's going out to the whole world. 
and and what it's and I just gotta accept it. Yeah, and what it's provided me is I realized like over the years I learned a long time ago like anytime I say something crazy vulnerable, other people are like, uh, thank you, same. Yeah, you know? me too. Yeah, or uh, I get the I thought it was just me, and I'm like, nope, not just you at all. And I actually through this community I've made one of my very best friends that I have gone to California to see twice since we've become friends and her and I, she's an awesome mate too. And we like, I have someone who is, I would consider best friend that I can talk to anything about. And, and she has an ostomy and I only had that because I was out here doing this she found me when she was, you know, a little bit behind me in her journey as far as treatments and her surgery. And she has helped me learn about, I got a whole, I have a whole new bag system thanks to her advice. Nice. And so it's not just the people who are, you know, doing great and who are far ahead on their journey. It's everyone. It's people out here being vulnerable, sharing their stories. It's on a little scale. It's on a big scale. I think it's, it's, it's awesome. And I think the more that we just kind of break down this, like, it doesn't really matter to talk about this stuff. All it's ever going to do is benefit somebody. I wish I knew. I wish I scrolled past somebody who said, Hey, you can get a test and see if you have these abnormal cells. And I would have said, Oh yeah, my grandma died of colon cancer. Right. I should totally get that right. done, you know? Or you can mail them or, in oh, though. Yeah. It's like not even a I know. I went to the Colaguard uh in classic with PGA um Colaguard classic with one of my other great friends that I've met through this cancer community. And um they were advertising you know they had a stand there and I was learning about the fact that you can just send your sample and it's so the the technology is there for these genetic tests for our for our uh, colorectal tests um they're lowering ages for colonoscopies to yeah. be routine doctors are listening to young people more about needing colonoscopies so it's like within our own lives so personal where we make these connections and these friendships that like carry us through and then on the big scale things are happening to make this um, easier for those who have to walk it and hopefully you know make it less of a reality for yes my kids hallelujah all of them you know everyone anyone else my father-in-law got a colonoscopy right after i got diagnosed and had some polyps removed Mm -hmm. Sorry if you didn't want anyone to know that, but <laughs> well, no, like, we are, that, that's just, so common for them. But it was—it's like it's a good thing to have to have this awareness because um, it's like no one thinks about it until it no, none of us were going to have now. cancer. Didn't it never dawn on us? But uh, even though it was in my family, right. I was like, I didn't think that. But you doing your thing on social media, just the way you're doing it, I love it. You inspired me. It had me reach out to you. So appreciate it. I got to wrap up because I've got another show starting in yeah, 30 minutes. Yeah, of course. I'm so sorry. I'm long-winded. No, I really you know what happened? It. Thank you. I, I didn't know that Arizona doesn't participate in daylight savings time. So, like, I finally, like, wait, where is she? Why? I'm like, oh, my gosh. So. This is a hot. I, you know what's so funny is I considered emailing you that last night, but I was like, no, I don't want to seem like I'm telling him what's like what to do or trying to control mm-hmm. his thing. 
But intuition told you to do it. <laughs> something told me that I should have emailed you. And then I was thinking about it is, you know, a couple of my friends, because I have friends all over the country, um, when California is on the same time as us, instead of an hour behind, I was texting up until a month ago, I'd be texting my friends in California when I get up in the morning, they're like, damn, Amy, you're dinging my phone at like 530 in the Don't morning. Don't they know about like, do not disturb? <laughs> Well, I'm sure, but I don't think that I don't think I woke them up. I, just oh, I see. They're like, just saying, like, what are you doing? They're like, Amy, so, Amy, it's so easy to talk years? to you. And we've covered so many topics. I would love to have yeah. you back if you're interested. Anytime. I know it's a commitment. Anytime. OK, then Anytime. you will be back. And uh, thank you. Um, you want to get let everybody know your Instagram or any social media so they can yeah. follow you and see what we're talking about. Absolutely. They can follow me on Instagram at barefoot Ostmate. So it's B-A-R-E-F-O-O-T-O-S-T-O-M-A-T-E. And um, I also have an account. It's my personal account. It's Barefoot Professional. And um, they can find me there and it links to my Ostmate account. So either one and feel free to reach out to me anytime. I'd love to be back. Thank you so much. You will be. You have a beautiful day. Thanks a million. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. I truly hope this podcast was of value to you. Please subscribe and let your friends and family know they can find But Seriously, the Cancer Podcast, anywhere podcasts are made available. To learn more about my cancer survivorship coaching, please go to BertScholl.com. That's B-E-R-T-S-C-H-O-L-L.com. If you'd like to support But Seriously, the Cancer Podcast, please go to our Patreon page at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash But Seriously, the Cancer Podcast. Brought to you in part by the Cancer Resource Center of the Finger Licks right here in Ithaca, New York. Learn more at crcfl.net because no one should face cancer alone. See you all in the next episode and thank you so much for listening. The intro and outro music you hear is the creation of St. Kid can find him on social media as the saint kid the purpose of this podcast is to provide a platform for individuals to discuss personal experiences with a medical diagnosis the host and guests are not medical professionals and the podcast is not intended to provide medical advice or psychological therapy whenever there is a concern about mental or physical health please consult a qualified medical professional